Hello, good morning. I'd like to share with you today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River. The Spirit led him into the desert. There the devil tempted him for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing during that time. At the end of the 40 days, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man must not live only on bread. Then the devil led Jesus up to a high place. In an instant, he showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. He said to Jesus, I will give you all their authority and glory. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God. He is the only one you should serve. Then the devil led Jesus to Jerusalem. He had Jesus stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. It is written, The Lord will command his angels to take good care of you. They will lift you up in their hands. Then you won't trip over a stone. Jesus answered, Scripture says, Do not test the Lord your God. When the devil finished all this tempting, he left Jesus until a better time. Today's gospel can teach us something about fasting. From the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, we want to talk about this today. As we are now at the beginning of the Lenten season, let us take a closer look at the subject of fasting. What does it really mean to fast? Outwardly, we all know that it is to avoid from eating and sometimes drinking, at least to a certain degree, or to abstain from special foods such as meat. But why fasting? What is the reason? There may be very different reasons. We want to compare them now with the fasting of our Lord Jesus Christ. Previously, during the Middle Ages and before the Reformation, people fasted because it was the law of the Church. Anyone who consumed meat or butter during the 40 days of Lent before Easter was considered a sinner. Martin Luther and the Reformers condemned this as an unnecessary burden on the conscience. Ultimately, it was a complication of the Gospel. That is something which made the gospel more confusing, since those rules were made up by people who then claimed that salvation was dependent on their fulfillment. Carnival arose from this terrible interpretation. People wanted to celebrate eating and drinking widely before being forced into fulfillment of land. The fast of our Lord Jesus Christ has nothing to do with those imposed fasts. Second, many people also willingly fasted in the Middle Ages because they felt that they were pleasing God. This way of thinking still emerges from time to time. Yes, more than that, it was thought of as doing God a favor even when people felt pain, damaged their body, or put themselves in danger. Around 1000 AD, there were the so-called flagellant pilgrimages, where people practiced hitting themselves with a whip as a religious punishment because they thought it would please God. 
However, this is truly something deeply pagan when someone wants to serve God through fasting and self-torture. Jesus himself rejected this as a diabolical temptation. When Satan tested him and told him to come down from the temple, Jesus responded with the scripture, You shall not test the Lord your God, in another versions. Why should I be so reckless? There was a comfortable staircase that descended from the pinnacle of the temple. Then we should not unduly endanger our bodies or weaken them unnecessarily with fasting, but we should instead give our healthy and ready bodies as living sacrifices so that we can do God's will with them. That's what truly pleases God. Of course, we shouldn't do it to earn the favor of God, but in gratitude for him having given us his approval through Jesus without any merit on our part. Third, there is a fast that is done to satisfy the hungry or needy. I've heard of some families who do a fast once a week and spend a seventh of the family's income for the hungry. Dear brothers and sisters, it's very important that in our abundance we we do not forget the hungry, the poor, and the needy. However, I'm sure that if we live in moderation, we can give much to the poor of the world without the need for fasting. God gives us more than enough for that. Fourth, you can also fast to take advantage of the fast itself. This is very popular nowadays. We think on diets for losing weight through fasting or to renounce certain things that are not very beneficial or restricting their use such as alcohol, nicotine, caffeine, etc. Such fasting is certainly something external or mundane. This has nothing to do with faith in Christ. There is a campaign in Germany during Lent called Seven Weeks Without where Christians are advised to willingly give up their free time, their hobbies, or different things that have become a habit, like chocolate, sweet things, alcohol, cigarettes, television, etc. In the advertising of this campaign, it's always expressed that in this way something good can be done during the seven weeks of Lent. That is also good, and we Christians know that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, and we must consciously make an effort to stay slim and fit and be healthy. But I would like people to take more care of their soul than of their body, and especially during this time, at least half of the effort they put into caring for their bodies. I wish that they would be at least as eager to read the Word of God and to approach to the sacrament of the altar to attend church as the formulas to, for example, lose weight and all the remedies, diets, physical activity, natural therapies, and alternative natural medicine to improve health. That many, only for the reason, could be simply healed and would feel better. Fifth, fasting is also used to pressure other people and force or induce them to do something. That happens, for example, during a hunger strike. I think that is completely wrong. Sixth, fasting may help us focus on the Word of God and prayer. 
This is something that we also find in the Bible. In this way, for the time, the destruction of caring for the body is removed and spiritual life can be highlighted and there can be a deepening of spiritual things. In this regard, we can mention fasting as a preparation for Holy Communion, which Martin Luther saw as a fine external discipline in the small catechism. The practice of maintaining during Lent moments of tranquility and renouncing boisterous pleasures is also part of all of this. This fasting has more to do with the fast of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can imagine that in the 40 days after his baptism, he was preparing for his coming ministry in conversation with his heavenly Father. In the same way, during the 40 days, Moses fasted on Mount Sinai. And yet the fast of Jesus has another dimension. Seventh, there is the fast truly led by God. Jesus didn't abandon food or his humanity of his own free will, but the Holy Spirit led him to the desert, the gospel says. Yes, that's really the most correct and delicious fast, the fast that is ordained by God, because that's where we learn to trust our Heavenly Father. The devil tried to convince Jesus to make bread from stones because there was nothing edible in the desert, Jesus resisted him and answered him, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus knew that the word and the will of his heavenly Father were ultimately what mattered. When the right times arrives, he would fast and suffer, and he would also end it at the right time. He doesn't have to worry about that. And the Father gave his Son the best, his word, but also his bread. At the end of the 40 days, the angels came and served Jesus, and we can probably assume with Martin Luther that they brought him food and drink. Likewise, God provided his messenger to Elijah in the wilderness. So also in the wilderness, he had provided all his people Israel with manna from heaven and water from the rock. Of course, the father then asked his son for the cross, but after death, he took him back and gave him what the devil intended to give him, the genuine rule over the whole world. Yes, that's the best fasting, the fasting ordered by God, to be able to see then how wonderfully God aligns and guides everything. The kind of fasting we want to practice during this Lenten season should be a spiritual fasting. If God wants us to lead to a corporal fast, so be it. Each one of us will be able to feel if this is the case. But there is a good fasting that we could practice at this time. We can fast in the time we spend on other more superfluous things and give our time to start reading the Bible every day, an Old Testament chapter and a New Testament chapter every day. Let's begin this land returning to the habit of reading the Word of God in order to allow God to speak to us through His Word and to be protected through it. Let's return again to the habit of praying daily and interceding for others. If we achieve that kind of fasting during this Lent and we get to have the spiritual life that every believer should have, we'll feel that we are doing the true fast that God asks and our lives will be transformed miraculously. In that way, when the devil lurks, 
he'll no longer have any power over us or any kind of influence because we'll be protected by spiritual armor that God asks us to work. Like if you can read on Ephesians chapter 6, we really want to see changes in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our world. Perhaps that is the fast that God is expecting from us for this Lent. That is a good way to reaffirm as in our confession of faith, when we say, I renounce the devil and all his works and ways, and I surrender to God, God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to be faithful and obedient to the end. I wish the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. I wish you a fantastic week. Thank you.